0: From the healing heart of Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland comes The Dr. Nina Show with a message of hope for people struggling with binge eating. She helps listeners break free from emotional eating by identifying their hidden triggers and provides a path for healing without dieting or focusing on food. Dr. Nina inspires us to enjoy the full spectrum of human experience we all deserve to live.
1: there. Welcome to the Dr. Nina show, Outsmart Emotional Eating. I am your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin. I am a psychoanalyst specializing in eating psychology, and I am here to help you break free from binging, body shame, and diets that don't work. I used to be the poster child for eating disorders, and I broke free. And now I help other people create a binge-free happy life without counting a single calorie, carb, or fat gram. Hey, I want you to wake up and think about your day, not your diet. So today, we're going to talk about control, how to have more control over food and other things. Um, If we have time, I will open up the phone lines for callers. If you are on Instagram, on the Instagram live feed um, during the show, which is on LA Talk Radio, uh, feel free to leave a comment anytime and I will respond. Okay, so let's talk about control. Do you feel as if you have no control over food? Maybe you make promises to yourself every day, vowing to be good, good, quote unquote, with eating. And sometimes you do well for a day, a week, maybe longer. But eventually your willpower fails and you end up binging And then you gain back all that weight that you lost. Or you eat healthy all day, but you can't stay out of the kitchen at night. You feel as if you have no willpower and no control. Yet, binging, overeating, emotional eating, grazing, snacking, all the things, it's not about control. It is not about willpower. And here's the truth. It's not even really about food. Binging is a way of coping with difficult and emotional situations, conflicts, emotions, anything that's going on inside. It is a way of coping when we're constantly overwhelmed and struggling to keep up with the demands of our lives. We got work, we got family, other commitments. Well, it can feel as if everything in our lives is just spinning out of control. And often, um, Wait, I'm hearing someone saying they can't hear me on... Um, hey, it, uh, uh, can you hear me, other people on Instagram? Can you hear me? Because if, uh, if not, let me know. Can you hear me, people on Instagram? I hope so. All right, um, I'm just gonna keep going and hope hopefully that you are actually hearing me. Uh okay Janine is hearing me. So maybe if you're not hearing me, uh check your your audio. Okay. Back to the that Thank you, thank you. Thank you Janine. I'm glad you can hear me. Okay. So, sometimes we feel powerless over food as a way of looking at other areas in our lives that aren't working. For example, ginger not her real name. So she recently went through a really rough time in her marriage. After discovering her husband's gambling problem, she felt like she was in a total tailspin. Everything she thought she knew was just up in the air. She just felt like everything was falling apart. It was terrible. She said she had no idea what was going on. And only after her husband lost a really significant amount of money, amount of their hard-earned savings... Only after he did that did she find out about his gambling addiction. She she let that sit for a moment. And then she said, but actually, I am so mad at myself because I can't stop eating chips. I am so out of control with food. So Ginger felt powerless over the situation with her husband. But instead of recognizing how mad she was at him for hiding his gambling problem and losing so much money, Ginger turned against herself by focusing on her lack of control. This is called displacement. So when we experience stress, anxiety, or some sense of powerlessness in in some areas of our lives, that leads us to focus instead on food, diet, and weight, which supposedly we can control. So we displace powerless over one area of our life onto powerlessness in in others usually food she had no she had no control over her husband so she was focusing on food so again feeling out of control in certain parts of our lives gets displaced into feeling out of control with food but here's here's the thing you really do have the power to change your life including your relationship with food. When life feels like it is spinning out of control, it is easy to get overwhelmed. That sense of powerlessness is amplified when life th- throws you a curveball like it did for ginger. Um, we find ourselves facing unexpected obstacles, you know illness, job loss, uh, relationship difficulties, all kinds of situations might be happening. Hey, we all know what it was like to suddenly, face a worldwide pandemic. It upended our lives. But even without a significant and unexpected big stressor, our normal lives, just our daily lives feel really chaotic. Again, we have demands of work, of family, our expectations of ourselves. Just getting through the day can feel like an uphill battle. We feel like we just, just, trudge through it and have very little control over the things that happen. But there are steps that we can take to regain that sense of control in our lives. And when we feel more empowered, we're less likely to use food for comfort, for distraction from what's bothering us, or to displace onto, you know, helplessness over areas of our lives onto, onto food which just focuses us on food. Like Ginger wasn't focusing on her husband's gambling addiction. She was focused on the fact that she was eating chips, turning against herself, which doesn't help anything. So often we talk about wanting to be quote unquote in control. And that can mean different things to different people. So the definition of control, hey, when I talk about control, what am I talking about? It means having the power to make decisions that impact your life, both in the present and in the future. So feeling that sense of agency, that gives us the strength we need to to really hang in there when we're challenged by the messiness of life. And with that sense of control comes greater ease. You feel better. You form, feel more confident. You trust your decisions. You believe in yourself, even when you're going through a tough time. So, taking back the reins of your life or getting behind the driver's seat of your own life is possible with the right guidance. So, the first step is coming to terms with the reality that you can't change some situations and people. The only thing that you ultimately have the power over is yourself. This is a tough one. We would like to believe that that, that we can change other people. We would like to believe we can change uh, uh, other situations. Coming to terms with the reality that we can only do so much is tough. It's challenging. It's like a blow to the ego. What? I can't change everything. But ultimately is liberating. So what you know what what does that mean coming to terms it means it, 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 you know it, it means recognizing what you do, what you can't do while at the same time really focusing on what you can control in your life got to balance both your attitude your effort decisions about how you spend your time how you choose to respond to different situations those are completely up to you That doesn't mean you have control over your emotions. Our emotions are just responses to situations. We just feel however we feel. But we can decide how we're going to express those emotions or how we're going to respond to those emotions. Like Ginger, okay? Ginger was very angry. She was very disappointed in in her husband. And when she realized that she had turned those emotions against herself, that she was getting angry and frustrated with herself for binging, she she still felt at, kind of at a loss. She said, "Well, I don't want to get I don't want to get mad at my husband. I don't want to scream and yell and th- throw things." That's what she said. I don't want to I don't want to scream and yell and throw things. That that doesn't seem right. That won't help. That won't help the situation. What's the point of that? She was mad at the very thought of that. So um, Ginger was conflating the reaction of anger with certain behaviors. She equated getting angry with yelling, screaming, throwing things. Because that's what happened when her mom and stepdad used to fight. She didn't want any part of that. So for her, getting angry meant a behavior. But the experience of anger is just that. It is just a reaction. The behavioral expression of that emotion... That is what we can control. So Ginger realized that she could feel angry and disappointed with her husband without losing her temper, without throwing her favorite dish, whatever. Um, And so, so we were we were able to help her take steps to communicate with her husband about how she felt, and then together they made a plan on how to deal. with with his addiction. When she was just so busy getting mad at herself for eating chips, and by the way, if you're familiar with my food mood formula, you know that eating chips is associated with forms of anger. Um, So she was both expressing her emotions and then turning them on herself. When she no longer did that, she could communicate, they could make a plan together, she could really be heard, he was able to say, "Yeah, I get why you're mad. I'm so sorry." You know, I mean, they they could resolve the situation. When you're turning against yourself, nothing gets resolved. You're just in a in a in a in a cycle of deny the feelings, take them out on yourself, turn against you, feel bad, eat, deny the feelings, take them out on yourself, eat. It's just a never ending cycle. We want to break the cycle. So. Remember that when we're faced with situations that are out of out of your control, like the behavior of other people, Ginger had no control over her husband's gambling addiction. He was just gambling. It was really hard for her to come to terms with the fact that he was doing things she had no idea. Um, But but when she took control over how she responded to this situation, she felt more empowered. So it's easy to feel helpless. Like, that's how she felt. She felt helpless, like someone was doing something to her and she had no choice. She was just victimized by the situation, which is a horrible, horrible feeling. But remember that while some aspects of life are beyond our influence, there's almost always something you can do to empower yourself. You can find new ways to adapt to the situation, new ways to manage people in situations, including situations around food. So let's just talk about food for a moment. Let's talk about control. Let's talk about dieting. So the $60 billion diet industry sells us the illusion that by controlling our weight, we can control our lives. Oh yeah. The idea is that by losing weight, we can make other people like us more. We somehow become more likable when we lose weight. We gain likability when we lose weight. By losing weight, the diet industry says, hey, you're going to be more in control of your body and your life. Everything's going to be great. You're going to have the life that you always wanted. Imagine what an amazing superpower it would be If that were true, if we could actually manage other aspects of our lives, including other people, simply by changing the number on the scale, what power, what control, how amazing. Yeah, well, this is a lie. It's a lie. It's an idea peddled by the diet and wellness industry so that people keep dieting. Hey, if diets worked, don't you think that at some point people would stop dieting? Yeah. Doesn't work that way. It's always, you know, diets fail. So then there's the new diet. Oh, this is going to do the trick. And dieting is inherently about some kind of deprivation. And when we restrict certain types of food groups or certain types of food, that creates a sense of deprivation, which leads to a preoccupation with all the foods we're we're denying ourselves. So over time, These cravings can become so intense, so difficult to resist, it leads to a loss of control. It leads to binging, overeating, whatever. Deprivation also leads to anxiety, which makes us more likely to turn to food as a source of comfort and relief for that anxiety. And restricting food leads to increased hunger. That makes us more likely to lose control. To lose control, overeat or binge because when we finally allow ourselves to to eat because we're starving, um, we we have more. We lose control either psychologically because you haven't, you know, if you don't have, uh, if you love cookies but you haven't had them for three months, when you finally say eff on having the cookies, likely you're going to lose control and binge on them because of the, the deprivation psychologically. And physiologically, when you're hungry, really hungry, you, you, you will lose control because um, you're so starving, you just can't get enough. So these are the ways in which dieting leads to loss of control. Um, and that leads to guilt and shame around food. So when we, when we eat food we consider to be bad or off limits, then we feel like we failed if we eat it. Then we're vulnerable to self-criticism. Now you're beating yourself up. Oh my God, I can't believe you ate the cookies. You have no willpower. You have no control. You're horrible. And that leads to turning to food as a way of, of managing guilt and shame by, by escaping your own mean voice and the cycle continues. So dieting and loss of control are definitely linked. Um, And dieting itself can be stressful. It can be anxiety producing. When we constantly think about what we can and can't eat, we feel stressed. We feel upset. And sometimes turning to food is a way of relieving that stress. So therefore, there are many ways in which deprivation and restriction, aka Dieting leads to being out of control with food. So the truest sense of empowerment, it comes from making choices. Making choices about different aspects of our lives, not from losing weight. You're not going to feel in control of your life by losing weight. You're going to feel more control of your, of your life and more empowered By focusing on situations where you have a choice about how you respond. So realizing what is actually in your control helps you decide how to use your time and energy. Do you want to spend your time and energy going like, I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to eat that. I'm so good because I didn't eat that. Oh my gosh. Or do you want to spend your time and energy going, hey, what am I going to do today? What sounds fun? What, what do I want to learn or what do I want to experience or who do I want to talk to? How can I bring more enjoyment in my life? I picked door number two personally, and I'm sure you will too. So when we come to terms with those aspects of our life that we cannot control and simultaneously become more intentional about those areas we can control, we feel more empowered. And then we don't have to play that out with food. So for Ginger, um, that meant taking steps to regain a sense of efficacy over certain parts of her life. Setting financial boundaries with her husband. That was one of the things she did. Also, she decided to take piano lessons. She decided to focus on self-care. She felt more empowered. And guess what? She stopped using food. To, to, to manage her emotions for, for comfort, for distraction, for all the things, or to turn against or to turn her anger she felt at her ga- gambling husband on herself. All the anger she felt towards him was going on to her. When she changed the way she managed that anger and started doing things for her, food became breakfast, lunch, dinner and snacks. And by the way, I also want to say this. The other day someone said to me, well, you know, I just want to, I just, I don't want to think about food. I just want to eat nutritionally good food and I don't want to like it or not like it. I just, I just want to like fuel my body. This is a terrible, terrible idea. Food is not fuel only. It is also one of the pleasures of life. The ultimate goal is to be able to enjoy food without guilt, without shame, without self recrimination, not just eat, eat it because it's nu- of its nutritional value. We don't be able to enjoy it. So, she also, by the way, she also sought support. She joined a group of other people whose significant others had gambling addiction issues. And talking to other people in a similar situation really helped her. It can be incredibly powerful. Um, So if you feel like you lack control over food, focus on those areas where you feel empowered. Instead of thinking about your your weight or food or instances in which you feel powerless, focus your mind on where you have choice. And by doing this, along with practicing self-care and setting boundaries, that's a big one, you feel more of a sense of agency and control in your own life. So here are some strategies to help you uh, facilitate that that sense of control because, you know, like, what does it mean? (laughs) Create strategies. Well, what what does that mean specifically? I'm about to tell you. All right, so first, set new goals. When we feel like our, our lives are off course, it's easy to feel like nothing's ever going to work out. But when we pivot, that word sure became popular during COVID, right? We all learned to pivot. Um, yeah, like I pivoted. I am no longer in an office. I am no longer, unfortunately, in the radio station studio. We all had to pivot. Now we're all working from home. Um, we learn to pivot. We learn to adjust. We learn to adapt. By pivoting and creating new goals, taking steps to meet those goals, we create a sense of purpose and direction. So setting weight loss goals or intentions that involve certain behaviors, like not doing certain behaviors, like I'm not gonna binge eat, I'm I'm oh I'm gonna follow my food plan. Those are goals that lead to disappointment. Any goal that has to do with not doing a behavior is often all about willpower. It's all about control. It's white knuckling it. It is temporary. It doesn't work in the long run. So instead, set goals that create more dimension in your life. Goals that add interest to your life. So those goals might be like practicing more self-care. Learning something new, taking up a new hobby, challenging yourself in some way, all, doing something that that creates a sense of purpose and well-being in your life. So instead of take, uh, setting a goal of, I'm going to take this away from myself, mm-hmm. set a goal to give yourself something more. Instead of, I will not eat. So I'm just talking about cookies today, right? I will not eat the cookies. No cookies for me. That's my goal. No. That's not a good goal. Hey, I'm going to make healthier choices. I'm going to do, add more sweetness in my, in my life, not the sweetness from cookies, the sweetness from adding more love, more connection, more fulfillment in my life. That's my goal. That's the kind of goal you want to set. So identify the aspects of your life that you can control. And those may be your thoughts, your actions, your choices. And this helps you feel more empowered. It gives you a sense of direction. And it gets your mind off the freaking cookies, right? We spend so much time thinking about what we should or shouldn't eat. We have a lot more on our minds than that, right? So one effective way to get clarity and perspective on what's of interest to you. What do you like? What do you want to do more of? What's going on in your life? What What do you need to attend to? One way of doing that is journaling. I, I particularly love journaling because there's something about writing, and I don't mean like an online journal necessarily. There's something about writing that connects you to yourself more. So keeping a journal also helps you track your progress over time. It's a way to identify patterns in your life. It's a way to be with yourself, hopefully in a kind and compassionate way. writing a journal in a journal is like talking to yourself like a friend. By the way, if you're journaling journal from a perspective of care and love for yourself, of interest in yourself, of consideration and compassion, not from a um, bullying perspective. And writing also gives you an outlet for expressing difficult emotions um, so that you can express them in words Instead of trying to ignore them, drop them, positive think them away, or symbolically stuff them down with food. Um, Okay. whoop! This makes so much sense. I've been feeling like I'm not losing weight. I've been doing so well with thinking and feeling rather than binging, yet I feel like I'm not losing anything. I need to lose weight for my health as well as mobility. Yeah. Maybe focus less on on the scale and more and more on fun doing things that are fun because when you feed your soul and I'm using that expression very purposefully when you feed your soul feed your mind your heart when you do things you enjoy you know you don't need that enjoyment from food it's very powerful changing our relationship with food means changing our relationship with ourselves. And you can do it. So add dimension to your life. Add, make your life bigger, and you will be smaller. Um, Okay, setting boundaries is also empowering. That means understanding your limits and not allowing other people to overstep those limits. Oh, yeah. Easier said than done. I know. But for example... If someone makes a comment or asks you to do something you don't wanna do, give yourself the opportunity to speak up. Give yourself the right to have rights. Often, especially as women, we are socialized to think about everybody else and not about ourselves. Somehow that's selfish. If you think it's selfish, listen to last week's show, which is all about self care and why self care is not selfish. Listen, you have every right to set boundaries for yourself, to hold people accountable for respecting them. Saying no, saying no when, when, when it's appropriate, which by the way, you get to decide, that empowers you as does saying yes in other situations when you so choose. When you give yourself the right to have those rights, Instead of accommodating other people or protecting other people, it is easier to set those boundaries. Uh, I'm actually just going to briefly, I just thought of this. I want to go over this from my book. Um, So I have a whole section in in The Binge Cure, Outsmart Emotional Eating, Um, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating, right? Uh, about said, saying no, and here are some possible reasons why it's hard to say no. Um, feeling guilty as if it's wrong to choose you. By the way, if you have the book, it's on page one, 101. Feeling guilty. Like, oh, I can't say no. I would feel so guilty. It is wrong to choose me. Another reason is to feel like you feel greedy, if you say no to someone like it's greedy to to want what you want as if somehow the, the the what you want is less important as what other people want. But they're not greedy. You are. It's very backwards thinking. Um, not wanting to come off as difficult as if saying no makes you difficult and cranky and just too much trouble. Not wanting to upset anyone. As if you're responsible for the feelings of others at your own expense. Um, Maybe you're afraid to hurt someone else's feelings, kind of related to to not wanting to upset anyone. As if what the other person wants, feels, thinks, needs, whatever. That that's more important than what you want, think, feel, need. Fear of rejection. As if other people won't like you or they won't want to be your friend if you disappoint them by saying no. Or fear of retaliation. As if saying no may have terrible consequences. Um, For example, uh, one of my, my guy friends couldn't say no to his boss. Like, couldn't say no. Stay late? Absolutely. Work over the weekend? Sure. I'll cancel my golf game. Uh, take on an extra project, reschedule vacation. Yes, 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 yes. Why? Because he was afraid that he wouldn't get promoted. Um, so really look at, like, if it's hard for you to say no to other people, which is a way of saying yes to yourself, look at why. Which of those resonates with you? Um, and, and yes, there's absolutely... Uh, there, there are good reasons to want to lose weight, some people for their health, some people and mobility, other people for other reasons. But if you focus on losing weight, you're focusing on the wrong thing. you got to focus on what's weighing on you and find new ways to change the way you are with yourself and with others in the world, then the weight will come off because you're not using food to stuff down resentment or um, you know comfort yourself or take the place of fun if you're not having enough fun by the way food is fun food is fun but it becomes less fun when you're doing other fun things um, also like ginger did when she sought the support of the the, the group that helped other people who whose significant others were gambling, seek support from supportive people. We often believe we should figure out everything on our own. We think seeking help makes us weak. It makes us a burden to others. No, 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 no. Connecting with friends and family, that can also make all the difference. As long as they're the right friends and the right family. Not only do we benefit, it gives us, our friends and our family, the opportunity to be there for us, which can be a good feeling. Like if you've ever had the good feeling of, oh, I, you know, my friend never asked me for anything. And now she is like, oh, I get to reciprocate. It's a good feeling. So don't deny people that good feeling. Um, Also, don't forget the power of online communities, Join mine, Food for Thought, Dr. Nina's Food for Thought community on Facebook. Uh, It's a a great online community where you can get information, inspiration, and support from other people who are struggling with what you are struggling with. And I shouldn't even say struggling. They are empowering themselves to change and heal and create a binge-free, happy life. Words are so important struggling with this, or empowering yourself to change. That was just accidentally a great example of the power of words. Okay. Um, Also, think about facts over fears. When life becomes out of control, which it sometimes does, it is easy to feel super anxious and to fear the worst. So fears about the future often lead to anxiety in the present about situations that have not happened and may not happen. So instead of focusing on areas where you feel anxious, afraid, powerless, and instead of worrying about what what might happen, what if this happens, what if that happens, stay with what is, which is reality and what you know to be true in the present. Often we think, well, you know, what if I try this and I I fail and then I'll be so mortified and, and embarrassed and I can't go through that so that you don't try it at all. But what is in that case is, wait a second, I have the wherewithal, the intelligence, the tenacity, the ability to do that. And you know what, if I, if I fail, I really haven't failed because I've tried. What, 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 did Thomas Edison say I, I I didn't fail 10,000 times to try to invent electricity I just discovered 10,000 ways that didn't work <laughs> and it's also more it's easier to to fail at, at to, to try and fail when you don't then feel like a failure when you feel like a failure now you feel bad about yourself as opposed to okay I I did this. I gave it my best shot. It didn't work out. I'm proud of, of myself for going for it. I did everything that I I could, but cir- circumstances out of my control affected me. And and you know what? I've learned something from this. Like That's a much more empowering way to look at it. If you say, oh, my God, I tried it. I failed. I'm a failure. Now we're into the area of shaming yourself. Shame is about a sense, a, a bad feeling about who you are, not about what you're doing. So feeling like a failure is a terrible feeling. It's, it casts a dark cloud over you, your, your essence, instead of, you know what? I tried. I did my best. I failed, but I learned something, and I'm proud of myself for going for it. You know, one way makes you feel bad about yourself. The other one makes you feel good and proud that at least you took steps. So um, what is also is a way of, of, of feeling a sense of control of present reality. What if this happens? What if that happens? I don't know. Uh, like that, just you just freak yourself out. Now you're having anxiety in the present about a future that doesn't exist and may not exist. But you're having the real feelings about it, which can lead to eating to manage that anxiety. Sometimes we eat to sedate ourselves or distract ourselves or comfort ourselves or all the things. So when you when you feel like you have no control over the future, because, of course, you really don't have control over the future, got to stay with, well, wait a minute, what do you know to be true in the present? You know your ability, you know, you you've met challenges before you know that you've overcome things, you know your wherewithal, your ability to get through hard times, you know that you can overcome obstacles, you know that you're you're smart enough, you're creative enough, you're this, you're that, you know that, that is true. That gives you a sense of empowerment again and calms down the anxiety. So by focusing on the areas of life that we can control, we can develop a sense of agency that helps us overcome feelings of powerlessness and helplessness. While there will always be things in life that are outside our control, we just learned that lesson with COVID, um, it is possible to take action and to cultivate a greater sense of control over our, our, our behaviors, our thoughts. And you know that is reassuring. So in this way, we really move towards a greater sense of well-being, fulfillment. When we feel a sense of contentment in our lives, we also have a sense of empowerment with food. We're, we're, when we're able to calm ourselves down, reassure ourselves with words, remember our strengths, remember who we are. We don't need, need, we don't need food as a distraction. So that is how to take back control. And now I am, oh, I have about 13 more minutes left in the show. So if you have a question, um, if you have a question for me, feel free to call in. The, the number here is 323-203-0815, 323-203-0815. If you are on Instagram and you want to drop a question or a comment in the comment box, please do so now. Um, and while I wait for someone to either call in or drop a comment, uh, I am going to look at my list of questions that people have left for me. Um, let's see. I have a whole list of questions. Okay, I'll just go with this one. Um, How do I know what to eat? How do I know what to eat? Well, the first thing you need to do is figure out why you want to eat. Are you physically hungry or are you emotionally hungry? If you're physically hungry, gauge how hungry you are. Start thinking about what sounds good. What what does your body want? Often when I first talk about this to people, they'll say, well, my body wants pizza, but does it? My body wants ice cream, but does it? The more we learn to, does your body want pizza because you think you can't have pizza? Does your body want ice cream because you think you can't have ice cream? That's deprivation. Really think about, do I want protein? Do I want vegetables? Do I want fruit? How, you know, what sounds satisfying to me? Really, uh, key into what does your your body want your body will talk to you if you listen it takes practice if you haven't listened to your body for your whole life but it will take practice also are you emotionally hungry so physical hunger let's distinguish between the two of them physical hunger is physical we are our our bodies Express hunger. We get that gurgly feeling in our stomach. We get lightheaded. Um, personally, I get lightheaded and start losing my words. Um, but the point is that physical hunger—you feel it in your body. Physical hunger is located in your body, and when you're physically hungry, you're usually not as picky. So if you're physically hungry, you're 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 gonna. Eat what's available because you just want to satisfy that hunger. Emotional hunger, on the other hand, is not located in your body. It's located in your mind. So emotional hunger sounds like, hmm, that looks good or that sounds good. Oh, if I have that, I'm going to feel better. So emotional hunger is when you want to eat a certain food so it will change the way you emotionally feel. You're going to comfort yourself with food or distract yourself with food or numb yourself out with food. So um, for the person who said, how do I know what to eat? Your body knows what to eat, but first you have to recognize, is it physical or emotional hunger? If it is emotional hunger, really look at, well, what is it that you need? Food is not going to give you comfort for long. It works temporarily. How would you comfort a friend? How, if a friend is, oh, I'm sad or I'm upset or I'm worried or I'm anxious, would you say to your friend, oh, I got you. Here's some ice cream. Let's order pizza. Um, maybe not. I hope not. I don't think so. Chances are you would talk to your friend, you would respond to your friend. The key is to do that to yourself as well. Super important. Basically, the way, we, the way we change our relationship with food is we got we to gotta change our relationship with ourselves. And one way to do that is to learn a new way to respond to ourselves. So often when we need comfort, we learn to we at- attack ourselves. We treat our friends, our loved ones in one way. We're, we're generous, we're understanding, we're encouraging, we're supportive. And then we treat ourselves a totally different way. So when our friends are upset, it's, oh, tell me what's going on. What's happening? Um, You know, how can I help? I'm here to listen. And when we're upset, it's, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm upset about that. I can't believe this. What's wrong with me? Where's the ice cream? So just talk to yourself the way you would talk to anybody else, and you will see a huge difference. Um, all right, another question. What are some ways of getting my emotions out other than finishing the prompts in your book? Sometimes I have a hard time knowing how to express myself. Okay. All right, so the prompts in my book, you know, so basically in my book, I teach you how to stop binge eating. I, I teach you to, to how to identify the hidden emotions and thoughts and feelings that you may be having teach you how to express it. And I teach you how to respond to yourself. Um, I mean, there's a lot more to that, but essentially uh, I I provide prompts because we we live in a culture that says, oh, just be happy. Don't feel that. Don't think that. And then what happens to all of those Feelings, like with Ginger, with my example earlier, instead of being mad at her husband who gambled away so much of their savings, oh, she was mad at herself for eating chips. Ginger needed to use the prompts on page 45 through 47 to express herself. That's how we get feelings out, by expressing them. That's why I like journaling. It gets them out of your head and onto the page, speaking or writing your feelings, but I have a a couple of unique ways to do that. So here's one. Write all your thoughts and feelings on a piece of actual blank paper. Has to be paper, paper. Um, And you don't even need to use full sentences. You could just write single words like sad, enraged, anxious, scared. And then after you've done that, tear that piece of paper into tiny pieces and throw the pieces in the trash. It sounds weird, but it is so awesome. It's so satisfying. It's so weirdly satisfying. You get your emotions out and then you symbolically get rid of them. Um, how I came up with this was when I was in grad school, uh, I had a study group and of, every every one of everyone there were at my, my place and everyone there was so anxious about an upcoming exam So we decided to write all our fears down on a piece of paper, and then we just put them in a pile. And we actually, I don't recommend this, lit them on fire. Those fears went up in smoke, and we all went, oh, I feel better. Do you feel better? Yeah, I feel better too. And we all did better on the exam. So that is a fun way to get rid of feelings. It's very satisfying. Another Another is to journal, but journaling with a twist. So imagine that you have a friend in your very same situation and you're advising your friend, you're comforting and reassuring your friend. Journal what you would say to your friend, how you would feel about your friend. How would you feel towards your friend? There's something again about writing that gets your emotions onto the page which is better than symbolically stuffing them down. And imagining that you're talking to a friend in your same situation can make it easier for you to access your thoughts and feelings. When it's you and and you're only used to um, abandoning yourself with food or or yelling at yourself or bullying yourself or being harsh, critical and judgmental to yourself, which doesn't help, which just makes you want to eat to get away from your own mean voice, Imagine you're talking to your friend and then say those things to yourself. Um, A third way that's fun if you're creative or even if you're not creative, everyone's creative, draw your emotions or paint them. You know, what color is anger? What does pain look like? Conceptualize your inner world artistically again on a page a canvas and allow yourself to be just as creative as possible it's not about being a good artist it's about getting what's in your head and your heart out out of you instead of stuffing it down get it out splatter it on a on, on a canvas or 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 draw it in in charcoal or paint it or crayon it or you know borrow your kids crayons so you can, I used to do that used to borrow my kids' crayons. Um, it's amazing how cathartic it is when you start expressing yourself whether it is in words or whether it is in in uh, art the point is to get it out of you right? when when we binge, we stuff it down okay. and by the way, let me just say something about, uh, positive thinking in a way or being grateful. Uh, a lot of times uh, people will tell me, I feel so bad because, you know, I tried to think of all the things that I was grateful for when this bad thing happened. And, uh, you know, I, I, it didn't work. And now I feel bad because I can't, I, I can't use grat, I can't, I'm obviously not a, a a grateful person. I can't use gratitude. So now they feel bad because of the original situation. And now they feel bad because they can't, use gratitude to feel better. So forget gratitude, forget positive thinking. It does not work. I'm not saying that it's bad, that gratitude is bad. I'm all for gratitude, but not if it is weaponized as a way to make you stop feeling what you feel, right? All it is, is dismissive. By telling yourself that you should be grateful for all that you have or positive thinking, uh, trying to create a positive spin on the situation, all that is is dismiss how you actually feel. First, you've got to say, whoa, the truth. The truth is this is hard. This is difficult. I'm so mad. I'm so upset. This is so painful and difficult and stressful and awful. you got to speak your truth. Course it is, right? Who wouldn't feel this way? And it, you know, even if I'm the only one who feels this way, I feel it. So it's valid. Validate yourself. And then you gotta reassure yourself. Hey, and this may be when you can be positive or practice gratitude, but not necessarily. Then you can say, But you know what? I am practicing a new way of responding to myself. I am gonna remember that I have the wherewithal to get through hard de- times. I'm going to um You know, feel, you know, uh, uh, I'm gonna remember who I am, what my strengths are, what my abilities are. I'm gonna get through this. This is hard for now, but it will pass. And one day I will look back at this and it will be over. But right now, it sucks. That's how you feel better. Not, I shouldn't feel this way because I should be grateful for all the, the wonderful things in my life. But that doesn't work, that's dismissive. So own your truth, the truth will set you free, learn how to respond to yourself, and things will get better, I promise. So that is our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I am here to help you create a binge-free, happy life. I am here, you can also listen later wherever you get podcasts. And for a deeper dive into this topic and many others, check out my book, The Binge Cure, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating. It is available on Amazon in every format. I'll be back next week. Stay curious, not critical. Have a great week. Bye for now.
0: Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Thank you for joining The Dr. Nina Show, heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Join Dr. Nina next time for more diet free strategies on how to outsmart emotional eating so you can stop thinking about food and start living your best and most happy life. Find out more about Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland at drninainc.com. That's D R N I N A I N C.com. The Dr. Nina Show is now on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network every Tuesday, 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Time. From the healing heart of Dr. Nina Sabelle Rockland comes a message of hope for people struggling with binge eating. She helps listeners break free from emotional eating by identifying the hidden triggers to binging and provides a path for healing without dieting or focusing on food. As she puts it, it's not what you're eating that's the real problem. It's what's eating at you. Be sure to tune in for diet-free strategies on how to outsmart emotional eating so you can stop thinking about food and start living your best and most happy life. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love.
1: Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.